Blog Talk Radio. Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. And brought to you as well by our friends at Skyline uh, Accounting. We talked a little bit about them last week. Uh, accounting and Consulting, we'll uh, get into them a little bit next week. I promised them a uh, an audio ad similar to what Sharpshooter has, and, and they have it. I just don't have it with me. The reason why I don't have it with me is because I uh, was brought on to an impromptu vacation slash business meeting uh, at Martha's Vineyard here uh, outside of Cape Cod. So doing this from a hotel lobby here today. So last week I was driving to the city. This week, you know, I'm uh, I'm out on an island in the middle of the Atlantic and um, I'm just all over the place. So, yeah, but we have Icon and Granny to hold down the show, three-guest show here today. I'm going to be in and out all day or all night mostly uh, just because, you know, depends on, you know, who's in here and stuff like that. I mean, it is a hotel, so I can't be talking super loud at night, you know, in the lobby with guests and stuff. But either way, uh, I'll make it happen to the best of my abilities. Uh, but hey, overall, swing, uh, gotta, how are you guys done? I gotta, yeah. Hey, Big Swing, I got a quick trivia question for you. Oh, what geez. movie featured Cape Cod? Well, there's been a couple, but I think the most notable one is Jaws, and that actually featured Martha's Vineyard in a town called Oak Bluff. Um, there's a there's a bridge um, when you go up into the town that there's two jetties that shoot out between the two, and there's a bridge over the top, and that scene when the shark comes through under the pier into the lagoon and eats the kid in the canoe – that little bridge there you can jump off of. It's like a memorial spot. So I've I've jumped off the Jaws Bridge uh before. It's um it's good times. It's fun times. Well actually I was I was thinking of the movie Flash, actually. Oh, well okay. But wait wait, wait what movie? Flash with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah as the mermaid. 
Oh, well, yeah, that's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. Uh, I, I forgot about that one, actually. There, there's been there a couple of uh, couple of movies featuring this, this part of the I've always wanted to go to country. Cape Cod because when I was a kid, I wanted to go to I, – I told my parents I want to go to Cape Cod because I want to meet Daryl Hannah as the mermaid. And uh, they finally had to break it to me that uh, mermaids aren't real and uh, Daryl <laughs> Hannah wasn't really a mermaid. And I said, well, so, prove that. How do you know mermaids aren't real? So it they was kind of them. like it was kind of like Santa and the Easter Bunny for you, right? Right. Similar. Anyway, similar. Uh, before we before before we move on to the show, there's one thing I want to take care of, and we'll uh, and we'll kind of go around the room here again to see how everybody's doing. But uh, I need to issue an apology to okay. not only to my favorite co-host, Big Swing Grand Hawkster, but I need to issue an apology to all our fans across. The, the country listening to our show and listen last week. Uh, there was a few people that sent letters, uh, comments to my inbox on Messenger that I was out of line uh, with my frustration because of our guest situation. And, uh, you know, I should have, uh, I should have uh, been a little more professional than I was. So I apologize to all our fans that are listening that, uh, thought I was out of the line, and I admit I was out of the line, and it won't happen again. So uh, just to clear this up, I found out that Bob Bagwell, uh, you know, it was supposed to be him and his mom. His mom was in the hospital, and he was with her in the hospital all day, and, uh, you know, he, he'd been with her all day and the night before, so he fell asleep and uh, in the hospital with his mom. So I fully understand that. He has been rescheduled. And Super Genie, uh, she was supposed to uh, be off the plane uh, and uh, back to her place when she was supposed to be scheduled. Uh, however, because of the two-hour flight delay, thank you, United. Uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say what airline it was, but too late anyway. Well, you already did, uh, so yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hate United anyway, so I don't care what you guys think. Uh, I'm going on I'm going on a tangent again, but uh, because of her two hour flight delay, she did not get home until after the show was over, and she apologized, ah. and uh, she is going to uh, be on the show again, and uh, mm-hmm. she is, she said she's going to bring a surprise with her. Uh, I'm not going to oh. let the surprise. Uh, I know what the surprise is. But just in case it doesn't happen, I'm not going to reveal it right now uh, until it does happen. But the surprise hmm. that she wants to bring us is really, really <clears throat> awesome. So, looking forward to it. Um, and yeah. uh, and I kind of yeah, that's um, that's one of those things you know that that happens. I mean, it it it's just it's radio. You know, it, it, we've had so many guests. Um. Reschedule on on us, uh, you know, on, on FM shows. You know, you, you did a good job of getting a replacement last minute. Um, again, I do apologize for my quality, audio quality here today. I am calling in from a phone. Normally, I'm in front of a microphone, so it sounds a little better. But um, yeah, so that's why the audio quality might sound a little bit more muffled than normal. Uh, but yeah, so the uh, the thing is, is uh, Granny, what I'm going to do here. Because I'm going to use my radio expertise, and I'm going to use my radio uh, 
I guess, uh, experience. And I think I'm going to make a soundbite. I think I'm going to make a soundbite of Icon from last week. You know, every time something happens, um, it's going to be that brief pause. And then just, what the bleep? <laughs> are you are you bleeping hitting me? Like I'm just gonna make that a soundbite, just just so he has to forever live with it because because that that's what we do in radio. But um, you know, so every time a customer, uh, customer, geez, uh, guest says something, I'm just gonna hit that soundbite. Might be kind of funny actually. Right. So tonight, uh, you guys, uh, our first guest will be calling in. In about 12 minutes or so, uh, I just want to let everybody who know who our guests are uh, mm-hmm. this week. Uh, we have uh, Jekyll Jester. I cannot wait to talk mm. to this guy. I don't know if you guys have seen what I posted on Facebook. Uh, I did. Card I did. It. And it, it's it's really he's he really looks pretty creepy. creepy. He looks yeah. pretty creepy. Yeah, he does. And uh, is he is he new? Granny, in your opinion, is he new Bray Wyatt gimmick creepy or no? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think Bray Wyatt's gimmick is a little bit creepier than his, but his is pretty creepy. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but this guy's pretty creepy, too, you know, I mean. Nice. And uh, we also have Jonathan Feltner from uh, PWX Pure Wrestling. He's a ring announcer. So, we'll see. How my ring announcing compares to his ring announcing. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth on that. We'll kind of have some fun with that. And we're going to have Joseph Dombrowski on. Dombrowski, sorry, on with us. Uh, here come the skis. Uh, he's with uh, ROH Wrestling, and he's a commentator, kind of like Jim Ross. So the way now, when I, you say ROH, like, oh, do you mean Ring of Honor? Well, ROH, uh, you know, we'll. Uh, We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll okay. let him let, let right. us know what ROH is. And also, oh, yeah, in a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks, the icon is going to bring Razor Ramon right on this show. Razor Ramon is returning to wrestling. Razor Ramon is going to be on this show. You guys are going to listen to the bad guy on this show. So, yes. So, Razor Ramon will be on the show. And for those of you so, who, who who don't know, um, you know, you, you claim to be wrestling fans, uh, that's Scott Hall. So, for those of you who know, um, who, who don't know who Razor Ramon was. So, there we go. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, overall, though, it's been it's been an interesting night. I've I've been getting some positive feedback uh, regarding Raw tonight for the first time in a long time. So uh, again, I haven't really had a chance to watch it yet, but I've been I've been getting some pretty good feedback about it. So hopefully that uh, you know pans out and and ends up being you know what everyone says it is. So um, I don't know, Granny, if you've seen it or or. Icon, if you've oh, seen I've been it. sitting here. I've been sitting here watching it. So um, I think your 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 girl got injured a little bit. So tonight, but against who? Well, she was facing Becky Lynch, and right now Nikki Cross is in the ring against Becky Lynch. Oh, the disarmer. Yeah. No. Well, you see, Alexa. It's. It, I, I'm just hoping. 
I'm really hoping that with the injury history that she has had um, in in recent, you know, in the last couple of months, uh, that this doesn't end up being an edge type of situation where, you know, I mean, I understand he was 30 something, you know, 35 or whatever he was when he had, when he had to uh, hang it up. But I'm just hoping that, you know, Alexa, she's only 28 and I believe she's or 27 rather turning 28, I believe. Um, and, you know, to, for her to continuously keep coming up with these injuries, I'm just hoping everything's uh, all right with her. Hang on. I, Alexa well, Bliss, you know, guys, 27, um, yeah, so she's turning 28. Raw is in Little Rock, Arkansas tonight. You know, the capital oh, of Arkansas. They're in Little Rock, Arkansas. Well, I, number one, I didn't have tickets, and uh, it's a three hour drive. To Little Rock. Oh, so, is that, and is David that far from you? Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. David has to work tomorrow. So, yeah. But I do want to give a couple a couple big shout-outs to a couple good friends of mine that I've actually seen on Raw tonight. So, hmm. one of them was in a, in a tag team match against the Viking guys. I don't know who the tag team partner was that was wrestling with Action Jackson, but I got to give a big shout-out to my friend Action Jackson who was in that tag team match. And I got to give a friend a big shout out to my friend, Mr. Saturday night, Michael Berry. Um, he was actually, um, I guess, you know how they use wrestlers sometimes as extras, you know, at WWE shows. Yeah. Sometimes well, they, actually, they, they like feed them up to um, Braun Strowman or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, he was actually out there at ringside um, examining Alexa Bliss's ankle, and I put the phone on mute, and I hollered at my husband, and I said, hey, did you see Barry? <laughs> so big shout-out oh, wow. to, to, to a couple of my wrestling friend, wrestling buddies, you know, that I, I've known for many years. So Now, are they just working the show because it's in Little Rock, or, or are they contracted well, and can, actually, like, travel with the no, WWE? Well, actually, Action Jackson, actually, he lives in Little Rock, so I'm um, – Barry actually lives up in Missouri, so he's just there, you know, for the for the show, I guess, obviously. But, um, mm. you know, and um, you know, one of my also very good friends, and this was this has been, um, well, this was about three years ago when I had my second knee replacement surgery on my birthday. Mm-hmm. I was actually laying in a hospital bed. And I woke up, and one of my very good friends from Texas, Americos, was actually wrestling against Braun Strowman. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, and and I actually talked to Americos after that match, you know, at an event that I saw him at. And he actually told me that, you know, Braun Strowman came up to him and says, thanks for making me look good, kid. (laughs) You know, I mean, now, Marco's kind of a small of guy, but, and uh, I, I guess you'll be calling in in a, in a couple minutes, so be watching that. That's fine. Um, speaking of Braun Strowman, okay, this this actually is going to sound kind of kind of weird. You want to talk about our first guest being creepy? This actually is pretty creepy to me too. You know, it was a pretty public breakup. Everybody knows that you know Alexa Bliss is no longer dating. Um, her NXT former, you know, fling, uh, he, he who shall not be named out of mostly out of jealousy. But anyway, um, rumor has it that they, ever since they did that mixed tag thing, they've been traveling together. 
rumor has it that there might be a little fling going on between the two of them. And that's just, I mean, that is biologically disproportionate. If that's the case, uh, wow. I mean, that's, yeah. Well, you know, they did that hefty, hefty, hefty commercial here not too long ago. (laughs) They did. You are correct. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, oh, that's the case. Um, You know, I just, thoughts go through my head that are kind of both explicit and a little strange at the same time. Uh, Icon, yes, we do have the first caller on, so what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to step aside and reposition. Like I said, I'm in the hotel lobby here today, and uh, people are kind of looking at me weird. They want me to quiet down. So I'm going to reposition, but I am going to put you on, put the first guest through so we can get that out of the way here. And uh, right now, go Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. He is our first combatant of the night. He is the guy that Braun Strowman fears. He is the guy that Bray Wyatt stole his gimmick of super creepy. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jekylls, Jeffker. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. This is Jekyll's the Jester, the freak. I am the freak. And you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with your host, with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Holster. So let's play. <laughs> wow. Well. Thank, thank you, Jekylls, uh, Jester. Uh, uh, I appreciate that. That was really creepy. Uh, that was we Jekyll, amazing. Jester. We have Jekyll Jester on here with us. We have uh, 29 minutes with Jekylls. Uh, now, a question. Uh, do you want us uh, to keep using your wrestling name, or can we reveal your real name? Or what would you prefer? Uh, you know what? You can call me whatever you like. Some people refer to me as Jekylls. A lot of people in the business just call me Jekylls, and a lot of people that I know just personally call me Joseph. So whatever you want to call me. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, as we know, when the king was looking down, the jester stole his thorny crown, and the courtroom was adjourned, and no verdict was returned. Okay, I just had to get that out there. So anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to refer to you as the jester. We'll go with that. Uh, so tell us, jester. Uh, well, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and we'll kind of go around the room. Uh, how long have you uh, been in the business? Uh, I actually started training in '05, and I made my professional debut in '07. So what? Over a little over 11 years, 12 years, something like that. And with the with your 11 years tenure in the business. Have you always done the the gimmick, the same gimmick, or have you changed? Uh, I mean, I've, I I guess like anybody, I've changed a little bit, but I've always been uh, Jekyll's the Jester. So, I mean, that's that's what I started with, and that's what I'm still doing. And for those people that uh, have not checked out uh, our Off the Ropes website on Facebook, let me kind of describe uh, Jekyll's <laughs> here. He's kind of a cross between Sting, uh, Freak Show, Bra- uh, um, Bray Wyatt right now, uh, just like 
really, really freaky, and you, something that you find in a uh, a fun house that you go in, you're happy, you come out, you're crying. And I do apologize if that's a bad way to describe you, but can you describe the your 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 look, your persona? How long did, did, have you been doing that? And uh, how long does it take you to get into costume? Your your face, in in other words. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that have changed with the character um, over the years. I guess I, I actually ended up getting hurt in uh, 2015. I tore my ACL and I was out for about a year. Um, and then when I came back, I was like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to do something different because I used to paint my face a little differently, and people would really compare me to Sting. So I was like, I don't really want to be compared to Sting so much, so I'm going to change it up a little bit. And I've just been playing That's around with the makeup a little too, bit. So. Yeah, yeah. But. I've just been playing around with the makeup a little bit, and so I decided. Oh, um, my wife was actually like, "Why don't you try to paint a smile on your face?" And I was like, "Well, I want something that actually looks really, really creepy looking." So I've I've been playing with the makeup, and I used to do like a puppet type makeup uh, scheme, but now I'm doing like the yep. smile, and I think I'm probably gonna change it up a little bit again because I always start to get bored with the makeup, and so I, I want to change uh. it up again. It takes me about. I want to say it probably takes me about a good hour to get everything painted up and all in costume and everything. Uh, now, are any of your makeup pieces as elaborate as like Jeff Hardy used to do with a lot of them? If you've seen, if you've seen some of his more recent uh, makeup um, things, you know, I really, I really intricate. like, I really like how Jeff Hardy does the eyes on his eyelids. I think that's cool because yeah. I always want to do something that actually looks like it's some kind of makeup effect where it looks like I'm smiling or it looks like my mouth is hanging open or looks like my mouth is being ripped open, something like that. So um, I, I try to make them as elaborate as possible. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Double J here, Jekyll's Jester, uh, in 2015 he was uh, known as King of the Indies, uh, for those of you who don't know, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, what kind of, I'm going to ask another question. We're going to go around the room, then we'll come back to me, and then I'm going to ask you the tough questions. We have uh, Double J here, Declan Jester here, uh, the freak show, probably the coolest freak that we've ever had on the show, and I do apologize if you don't like that term, but since it's my show, I'm going to say what I want to say. Uh, we have about 25 minutes here left. Uh, when you wrestle, would you consider yourself to be a heel, a baby face, an in-betweeny, or are you what the crowd uh, says you're going to be that night? Uh, you know what? I, I would probably say an in-betweeny just because um, I don't really change the way I wrestle as compared to a face or a heel. I just wrestle as me. Um, I mean, I I do have, like, the habit of making little kids cry without meaning to, or even sometimes I do mean to. But, um, I mean, without meaning to, they start crying. I've had kids run out of the buildings and refuse to come back in during my matches. So. Wow. Well, with that being said, uh, Granny, what do you got for <laughs> – well, hello, I'm Granny Holster. I'm not a wrestler. I'm just a big fan. You know, um, yeah, if you made little kids cry, that might make Granny a little upset because I I love kids, you know, and I, I help with an organization over in Oklahoma called Wrestling for a Cause that we do shows for kids that have got cancer, you know, so we do independent shows over there. So I love kids. So make kids cry. You might have Granny in your face. <laughs> <laughs> talking some smack to you but that being said what has been your most challenging match and where 
did you do that? I mean, one of your most challenging matches, and and where did that match take place? Most challenging? Um, you know, I always get really nervous when I wrestle someone who's been like either to WWE or it's kind of like a top indie guy. Um, one of probably mm-hmm. one of my most challenging matches, and not really because it was challenging or because the guy was hard to work with, but. Uh, I actually got a chance to work with uh, Goldust when he got released, uh, um, and he was working the Indies a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. And they brought him in in a promotion in Oakland, and it wasn't really that it was – I wouldn't really say it was challenging. I would say – well, I guess it was challenging in, in a sense, but I wouldn't say it was challenging where he was, like, hard to work with. He was a great dude, and he worked really well with me, and I worked really well with him. We had good chemistry, um, and we built it as freak versus freak. So it worked out really well, I think. But um, I think it was just because I was nervous because um, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to work with Goldust. This is crazy, like one of the original freaks. So I was like, man, this is going to be some crazy stuff. And just trying to remember everything and make sure everything came off good, um, that was probably the most nerve-wracking match I've had. And where's your favorite place to wrestle? Where do you enjoy wrestling the most? You know, I mean, do you do you wrestle in more than one promotion, or are you pretty much, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I work kind of all over California. Um, I mean, I really like going down to Southern California. There's a promotion down there called Alternative Wrestling Show, um, and the, the booker is just a really cool dude, and he brings in, like, really cool people to work with, and he brings in a lot of top indie guys, so I've had a, a good opportunity to work with a lot of the top guys down there. So um, it's always interesting to see what, what he's going to do because, I mean, where I'm at now, where I live, all the promotions I work are basically the same matches over and over and over again. But when I go down to Southern California, it's something new. So I like working down there a lot. Well, that's, that's awesome. Have you, ever thought, have you ever thought of coming maybe – you need to come to Oklahoma sometime. We'll get you hooked up with Wrestling for a Cause. I think everybody would love to have you there at Wrestling for a Cause. We do some uh, pretty good, pretty good stuff there. I would, I would love that. I've had, I have had a couple shots on the East Coast, um, a little bit here and there, um, you know, sporadically. Uh, but yeah, I would love to come out there and, and show show everybody what I can do. That's awesome. That's awesome. We have uh, Jekyll Jester here. Uh, we have uh, 21 minutes left with Jekylls. Uh, Big Swing, what do you got for our guest here, if you are there? And okay, he, is he not. might have so, stepped away. <laughs> so, we'll, so we'll come back to me, then when he comes back on, we'll go, we'll go to him. But uh, one thing I like to, uh, you know, ask you, and I, I've asked all independent wrestlers this, and no one has ever asked it the same, answered it the same way. So I'm going to put it to you. It's a two-part question, and uh, then a big swing comes back. We'll go to him, then we'll come back to me. Uh, now, let's say that a WWE agent is in the audience at the show that you're doing, and they saw you, and they see that you have great potential and you can uh, be a worker in the WWE. Two-part question. If they offer you a contract, is that some A, that you take, and B, because the WWE controls every aspect of your life. You go here, you go there. You do this, you can't do that, this and that, the other. As an independent wrestler, you basically control your own destiny. Two-part question. If they offer you the contract, A, is that something that you take, and B, if you get that contract, which you're not big time, but still be our friend and still talk to us. Um, I mean, uh Okay, um, good question. Um, I think 
anybody that's offered a WWE contract, if they tell you they're not going to take it, or if they're not going to even at least consider it, would probably be lying. I mean, I could be wrong on that. Um, I mean, I know WWE's not the end-all, be-all now. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if I would – I mean, at this stage, I don't know if I would uh, want to go to WWE, but, um, I mean, I definitely would at least consider going, you know, I mean, especially if they offer me a contract. I mean, I'd have to be stupid not to at least consider it. Um, so, um, I mean, I'd say – I'd probably say eh, – I probably would I probably would go just to, just to get the experience. Um, and then uh, the second part of the question well, – sorry, what was the second part of the question? Well, if you got that contract, would you uh, would you not become a big timer and still talk to us and be still be our friend and uh, not forget the little people? Um, I'm not I'm not really one of these people that is going to try to big time people. I mean, obviously, I've never been to WWE, but um, I, um, I I've always been told the the people you meet going up are the same people you meet coming down. So I mean, there's really no point in big timing people. I mean, I hate it when people do that to me. So I mean, I would try my best. Uh, not to let my ego go to my head. Awesome. And, you know, I see that's one thing that all independent wrestlers I ask have, they've all answered that the same way. They mm-hmm. they never forget the people that helped get them where they are and those that supported them. No one has ever said that they would forget that. And, you know, you are awesome in that aspect. And I and I kind of figured that's the way you answer it because you are a great guy and uh, I do have your private phone number and you haven't uh, got a restraining order on me yet so that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like Big Swing may be back. Are you there? Yeah. All right. Well, what do you got, Big Swing? Oh wait, hold on one second. Let me just uh, get situated. Hang on. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, again, I apologize for the uh, audio quality. I am calling from a ho- uh, cell phone in a hotel lobby. Normally, I'm running in a studio and running off a microphone, but you know, different different uh, strokes for different folks. I guess I had uh, some business I had to take care of tonight. But um, I don't know if they covered this already. If they did, I apologize. But I was trying to find a quiet spot to sit, so I didn't really hear it. But uh, how did you how did you get involved in the wrestling business? I mean, did you have any sort of um, you know idols that you looked up to? Anybody that you wanted to be? I mean, I know you have that sort of sting mentality, but when you were growing up as a kid, was it the the face painters that you liked, or was there maybe somebody that you know style wise you, you modeled yourself after? Um, I uh, always tell people that. I mean, when when they're when I, when they go okay, describe yourself. I would say that I'm a mix between the Undertaker, Joint the Clown, and uh, a little bit of a Sala from Japan. Um, I think when I was a kid, the one person that I wanted to be was the Undertaker. And I mean, when I say when I when I say I wanted to be him, I wanted to be him. I didn't want to be like him. I wanted to be the Undertaker. Oh, I thought that's he was amazing. the coolest thing. I thought he was like, oh man, this guy is so awesome. And I remember. Uh, just sitting on the floor one time watching wrestling and I, I looked at my mom and I was like 10 years old and I'm like, mom, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And she's like, okay, okay, whatever you say. So, um, and it was while I was watching the undertaker. I mean, I just thought he was the greatest thing ever. And then when I got into the business, I would say that I really started watching a lot more of the Masawa matches just because of the hard okay. hitting and, 
how he would move. And I was like, man, this guy's big and he can move like he's little. So I thought that was awesome. So, I mean, that's, I, I, I kind of changed my style. Cause for me, when I got into wrestling, it was like, I want to be a gimmick. I want to be, that's what I want to be. And I don't care what people think. That's, that's it for me. Gimmick. I want to be a gimmick. And then when I got into wrestling, I still want to do the gimmick thing, but I also want to show people that I can actually wrestle. So did you, did you, um, I, again, I don't know how old you are, but was it like early Undertaker, like Purple Gloves Undertaker? Was it Attitude Era Undertaker? Was it, you know, post post Dead Man, uh, you know, post Biker Undertaker? Like, well, which which yeah, one did I mean, you did you grow up watching? I I grew up watching the one with the Purple Gloves, but my favorite okay. time of the Undertaker's career, my absolute favorite time, is the Ministry of Darkness. Like, I'll never. That was awesome. When he had that teddy bear burning it in front of Vincent Man and he's on his knees crying, like, no, what do you do with that? To me, was the coolest part of wrestling. Like, I, when I, I mean, I do the switch back and forth between WCW and WWF, but when when that came on, I would never switch it. I would just con- stay. I was like mesmerized by it. I thought it was awesome. Hmm. That was, and you know, the funny thing about that whole thing is the reason the ministry came too. Is because Undertaker had a groin injury. You notice he really didn't fight that often. Uh, he he had everybody mm-hmm. else do it. So I thought I that was actually that. pretty cool that he was. Yeah, because you notice if you watch the Ministry time period, like in the beginning, he's in matches. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, towards the middle, the end of the Ministry, he used to have everybody else uh, fight his battles for him. And and the funny thing about that is, um, is is if you watch the Black Wedding with him and Stephanie after Stone Cold interferes, just the Undertaker leaves the ring really quick. Well, it's because he had a groin injury that was, was uh, lingering and really couldn't compete. And I think that's what made his character even creepier because he didn't – he didn't like – he would sacrifice people and do this and that, but he wasn't an in-ring competitor, so he had a lot more creative freedom to you know, do creepy shit behind the scenes. So, uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely loved that time period as well. I was a big Undertaker fan also, um, you know, so it, it was – it's definitely a polarizing moment, you know, when we were kids. So yeah, awesome. Um, and and uh, what would you say then would be your 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 favorite in ring attribute about yourself? What do you enjoy doing the most? Uh, you know, actually, when I do stuff, I I you know I try to just make things my own and do things my own way. But when I get in the ring, I Again, I mean, going back to the Undertaker, I kind of picture like stuff that he would do, and I kind of just almost like take it in a way and just do it my own way. Um, one thing that I really, really like is when I put the makeup on, I can just be Jekyll. I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to be Joseph, like you know, because who wants to be just a normal person? So one thing, like I just enjoy being able to step out of my own life and get in the ring, and then just forget about life and just worry about the match. Like that's. To me, that that's like the best thing about wrestling is I can be someone else. I don't have to be me. I mean, not that I hate me, but you know, I, no, I don't like. I get it. Yeah, persona. So, and, and it's good that you do a a character like that with you know with the face pain and 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 the 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 mysticism about him because you know there are a lot of characters quote unquote who are bland and are boring and are just kind of like, yeah, and I'm just doing this for the paycheck. But if you can really get into your character and really sort of become your character, it, it is a lot more believable. So if you can hit that transform switch, uh, it makes it so much better for the viewer as well. Yep, I agree. 
We have Jekyll Jester here with us, and we got uh, you know, about 11 minutes here before we wrap things up. You know, when you wrestle with your style, uh, are you more of a high flyer like a Rey Mysterio? Are you a technical wrestler like a Bret Hart? Or are you more? Do you more have like like a grunty style, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin when you wrestle? Uh, I would say I I can do a little bit of everything. At least I try to. I mean, I'm I'm six foot three, so I I I do try to fly. I mean, I can moonsault and I do some dives and stuff like that. But um, just you know, just I kind of just bust it out um, out of nowhere, just because I want people to be like, oh wow, that guy can actually do some stuff. But, you know, I, my, probably my main style that I go to a lot of is, like, the brawling style. Well, a lot of, like, um, you know, hitting people, uh, using my feet a lot where I, like, you know, boot people in the face, stuff like that. Um, forearms, a lot of forearms. Like, so that's kind of – I mean, I'm not trying to brag or anything or toot my own horn, but I do I do go a lot to forearms because um, I feel like I throw them well. Um, and, I mean, my trainers always told me, you can throw them as hard as you want as long as you don't hurt somebody. So I really went with that, and I kind of trained my students to do that as well. So um, I, I really like the brawling style. But, again, I can do some of the technical stuff, and I, I do do a little bit of the flying stuff as well. So you're basically an all-around wrestler, which is really cool, which leads me to my next question. Uh, Jersey Jekyll is our guest here. we got 10 minutes left. Uh, your finishing maneuver. Every wrestler has a great finishing maneuver. We want us to tell you. We want you to tell us what your finisher is called, what's involved, and then we'll see which one of us would let you practice it on it. <laughs> All right. I mean, I actually have two that I do um, currently. Um, I do the ro- the rolling elbow, which is simple. You just turn and you hit a, a forearm on somebody. You roll into it. Boom and hit them. Uh, then they take a bump and you go for the pin. And then uh, the the other one that I do or that I have I haven't done it uh, for a while, but I do do it. Um, it's a basically it's called like a it's like a backwards choke slam. You pick them up in a choke slam position and then you land on your back and they land on their face. And I call that the joke slam. Well, that sounds interesting. Well, uh, I'm sure Big Swing would be one to let you try that on him. Yeah, I mean, if you guys want to, if you guys are willing to try it, let's do it. But uh, I think I don't I'll, I think I'll pass on that one. Cranial pass I, on I don't that want, one. I I don't, I don't want to I don't want to get the achy breaky back. So I, I'll pass <laughs> I'll take on that. Over the there you go. So there we go. So uh, now I got to do a couple ego questions because our our fans all knew this was coming. So first okay. question. Uh, the icon made you a collector's card sending you a messenger. What was your thought on that? Uh, I thought it was cool. I mean, every time someone wants to make something with me on it or wants me to, or wants to uh, show me something that they make, I think it's great when fans send me stuff or when fans show me stuff that they've made. I, I always take a picture of it and show people like, Oh, look at this. I have a fan that made this or I have somebody that made this. So I think it's awesome. But you got to admit mine was the best, right? No, I'm uh, yeah, definitely. Well, not really. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then, uh, do you think that uh, you'd be willing to, uh, if you can, uh, send us some autographs for some giveaways for our big December show that we got coming up? Yeah, definitely. I, I just got some new pictures done. Um, I should hopefully be able to get something printed out for you next week. I'll sign them and I'll send them on their way. Okay, and I sent you an address on Messenger, so whenever you can get them to us, that's that's cool. So okay. now, if our fans wanted to check you out and follow you. 
Uh, do you have a Facebook? You got an Instagram? You got a YouTube? You got a Twitter? You got a Twitch? You got a GoFundMe? What do you got? Uh, I've got, I mean, I've got stuff all over YouTube that, that promote different promotions put up. Um, I, um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, my name on there is Joseph Rodriguez. My other name is Jekyll Jester. And then, uh, my Twitter is Jekyll's Jester. So follow me on those, um, hit me up on those, message me on those. Um, any promoters out there want to book me, go ahead and hit me up on those. Now, do you travel around a lot or like, I mean, do you, because we have a national audience. I mean, we'll have people listening in, you know, anywhere from California to Maine. Um, if a promoter books you, does it matter where he's at? Is there a particular area you would want to stay in? Um, I do have some family out in Maine. So, um, I mean, I, I definitely would love to work out there at some point. I, Like I said, I, I work up and down the California area a lot. Um, I've got a couple shots. I've had a couple shots on the East Coast kind of sporadically. Um, I would love okay. to just get out, trying to kind of get my name out there. So, I mean, it would be it would be great. I mean, I'd love for people to message me and be like, "Hey, we'd love to book you. Come on out here." So that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, so check this guy out. Um, definitely has a good gimmick, uh, good you know, good in ring presence, and uh, you know, we have a lot of people who do listen to our shows who do have that kind of power. So, if you do want to hit him up? Uh, he's going to give us his social media uh, or way to contact him. And, We'll, we'll get you in touch with them. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, if uh, do you know when uh, your next match is? And if so, when is it? Where is it? And uh, are tickets still available? And if the icon can ever get to where you're at, would you uh, let them walk you to the ring and maybe get them on your guest list? Yeah, I mean, I you know I'm always willing to try to help people get into the shows. I mean, the more we can expose the business, the better off we're all going to be. So definitely, um, I think my next coming match is going to be. I actually have like four or five in August. Um, so I believe it's the third Sunday of August. Um, I think that's my next one. I could be. It could be. I could be spacing, and there could be one before that. But the third Sunday of August, for sure, every third Sunday of the month, I work out in Sacramento uh, for a promotion called Supreme Pro Wrestling. Um, so, and there's always tickets available. They want to fill that venue as much as possible. So if we can get – the more people we can get there, the better off we're going to be. And are you going to be going for any titles in the near future that you know of? Uh, I just recently won a tag belt with um, one of my tag team partners. So um, that – that's actually pretty cool. I think I'm a tag team champion at two different promotions right now. So when, when did you um, win I, that? When uh, did you win it's that? called. Uh, I believe it's. Oh, I know the promo, the uh, the initials are PPW. Uh, it was last weekend, I believe, um, and I think it's called Phoenix Pro Wrestling. But even though it takes place in uh, Petaluma, California, but it takes place at the Phoenix Theater, so that's why they call it that. Well, well, here's the good news then. See, the thing is, yeah. you won. I, I had booked you. And then you won mm-hmm. the title. See, we have a we have a running record here. So with yeah. that being said, because you won the title after He's I not booked lying. you, that is the case. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what our record is. We are now six hundred ninety-eight and zero. Nice. And uh, you add you added one to that, so there you go. So yeah. the deal is, anybody I booked whether uh, they win it uh, after they've been on the show or after I booked them before they come on the show. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's all us, but we are a pretty good luck charm. We're, we're, we got a better record than Goldberg. What do you think about it? 
So Hi, now, we do have a we do have a second guest on too. All right. Well, we'll go to them in uh, we'll go to them in a second. Uh, uh, I do want to thank uh, our good friend here, uh, the 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 jester man himself, Jekyll's jester, for being on the show. We do thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us. And if we haven't scared you too much, we'd love to get you back on uh, at, again in another uh, at another time after. Uh, after maybe the uh, new year or uh, before the new year is out, we'll get you back on. Yeah, I would. I'd love that. That'd be great because then uh, then I can win another title, right? <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and you've been awesome. Thanks for being on. Have you on again. All right. Thank you very much. It was fun. All right, Jekyll Chester, ladies and gentlemen, the freak amongst the ring, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. King of the Indies, 2015. So, right, Icon, so if this next... is if this is the guest I'm thinking, um, and 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 this is the this is the the PA announcer versus show? our ver, uh, 706. Yep, that's right. That is okay. Yep. So this this is the PA announcer. We have our own PA announcer here with the Icon, which you guys are about to hear. Uh, don't go over the top here. Don't pop your pacemaker trying to impress this dude. Just do what you do normally, and and he'll give you a, an analysis based on that. Anyway, I'm going right. to put him through, and uh, you know, I, I know you have one pre-recorded, pre-made, especially for him. So I'm going to put you through, and uh, you go on and do it. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, he is combat number two of the night. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the voice of PWX. He is the reason why people fill the stands. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jonathan Feltner. Hey, this is Jonathan Feltner. You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. <laughs> I awesome. like it. So, so awesome. tell me uh, – Jonathan, was that not the best in-ring introduction that you've had? That is one of the better ones. I will have to go on ahead and, and, and be honest with you. I liked it. it. It rolled nice off the tongue, so it was definitely a good fit. <laughs> so with that being said, we have Jonathan Felder here. We have 29 minutes left with our guest. Uh, we're going to we're gonna do a roundtable. I'll ask you a few questions, and we'll kind of go around the ring. and uh, The ring. We'll go around the room, and then we'll uh, – each uh, ask you a question. So that sounds good. In your um, uh, in your time in the business, how long have you been uh, in the business? Well, I got started in June of 2011. Um, I actually moved to Georgia, where I'm at now. I moved here originally from Kentucky, where I went to school at. I came to Georgia to um, attend college, and I hadn't really been familiarized with independent wrestling um it was something that i'd heard of growing up but i never really watched shows and um actually i started to attend a promotion um just up the road from me called alternative pro wrestling which is in Worcester, georgia and i started going to shows there took a little bit of a sabbatical and actually on facebook they had put a filler out for a ring announcer tryout so i kind of you know diddle daddle with it for about a week or so and then i got in contact with the owner and said i'd be interested and um they actually gave me a tryout on what would be considered their wrestlemania show of the year and i've been doing it ever since so um 
this summer actually made my eighth year that I've been involved in the business. Now, had you ever done any announcing before, or any commentary, anything like that, that that got you into the wanting to do it? No, I was just one of those. I, I guess I, I was what you would call a rail jumper. I was like literally a fan one month, and then on down the road a little bit, I had got started and just kind of jumped into it. So I guess it was one of those baptism by fire deals. You know, I, I never had any kind of pre-exposure to the business. It was just kind of, you know, off to the races as soon as I started. And then I just kind of learned as I went. Uh, we have uh, Jonathan Feltner as our guest here. we got 27 minutes left with Jonathan. Uh, let's kind of go around the room here. Uh, since you're, you know, a ring announcer, uh, we do have interesting questions for you. We don't really have the, you know, the wrestling technical questions because uh, of the ring announcer, but we'll kind of go around the room and I'll kind of uh, come back and uh, ask you some more stuff. So, Granny, what do you got for our guest here, uh, Jonathan Feltner? Well, first of all, hello, I'm Granny Hulkster. I'm I'm not a wrestler. I'm just a fan of the sport of wrestling. Um, gosh. Uh, I kind of just kind of put me on the spot here because I was trying to think of a really good question to ask. Well, nice to meet you first. Well, it's nice to meet. Nice to talk to you too. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What has been um, one of your most interesting matches that you have like announced? You know, ring announced. I mean, one of your most interesting. That's probably an easy one. I mean, I've I've had the chance to work, you know, with a lot of a lot of good names, a lot of a lot of big names in the business, but definitely. A month ago, when PWX done their legend show at the Grady Cole Center in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was Juice and Thunder Liger's last North Carolina appearance. And mm-hmm. for that main event, he was in a six-man tag, and they wanted to do championship-style intros for that whole match. And I'll just be honest with everyone who's listening. When I got to ringing out Juice and Thunder Liger in front of a very mm-hmm. big crowd, that atmosphere was just incomparable. That was probably... I guess if you could say a ring announcer has a feather and a cap, that was probably the biggest feather that I've had so far. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I I recognize really that man wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet I bet the roof sounded like it was gonna cave in with all the noise and all the you know, fan interaction and everything like that. I'm sure it was a big, was big time big time. It was a, it was a good yeah, it was a good uh, reaction, but at the same time, it was just kind of one of those electric feelings. Like, you know, everybody was just so glad that they got to experience it, but they was, they was you know, sad to see it go. So it was just a lot of anticipation oh, yeah. Yeah. and a lot, of yeah. just, a lot of electricity and a lot of love, but it was definitely an Most awesome. definitely, most definitely. Well, that's what I've got. I mean, I can't. Oh, okay, so when you, when you have a match, actually, hold on, let me. Let me get on to uh, – here we go. I had to switch to the phone because it's just too loud. And, I, again, I'm in a hotel tonight doing business stuff, so I'm in the lobby, so I can't really – I can't set up my whole microphone, you know, like I normally – normally I run it from a studio. From, I work right. for ESPN, so I have a I have a ESPN studio that I run it from, and they just call in. Um, but right. I can't do that, actually, tonight. So, anyway, I do apologize for the phone quality audio as much. Um, when you when you watch uh, a match, sometimes 
sometimes for me, see, I'm a play-by-play guy. That, that, that's what I do. I don't really do the PA, but when you when you watch a match, some 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 of the the I guess most polarizing moments for myself are when you know when you have to make that announcement of a new champion or a you know of, of a reigning champion or whatever. Um, one of them comes to mind when The Rock beat um, Triple H at Backlash 2000, and you're watching it, and, you know, JR's flipping out, and you're doing the whole thing, and then you just hear, you know, and the new World Wrestling oh, yeah. Federation, and, and, and it just goes through you, because, you know, they're, they're up there, they're, they got the belt up in the air, and the crowd's cheering, and that PA announcer is just, like, you hear it, but you don't hear it, and, and, and it's always been an art form that I... You know that I, I've I've loved listening to. Never done it myself. Like I said, I do play by play on the radio. I don't get into the whole booming voice thing. But um, are there particular circumstances, or was there a particular? And if Granny already asked this, I do apologize. I had to step aside for a minute. But was there a particular instance where you had a moment like that? That as you're saying it, you're thinking to yourself, "Damn, like that that was special." Oh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's been, um, and it actually came, you know, it came really early in my career. It was probably less than two years in. I can remember it was oh, wow. a um, an angle that had been being built up actually at my home promotion. And um, it was the first time that I think Jacoby Blinkins, who he wrestled out of like the Augusta, Georgia area, and out of, you know, uh-huh. out of the South Carolina area, whenever he won the, the main title for the first time, and that was really the first time that I can remember announcing that this guy had won a title or a title had changed hands or your new champion that I really felt that electricity and those goosebumps go through my body. And I've had, I've, I've had the chance to work with a lot of good promotions um, in Georgia and I've had, you know, a lot of them, a lot of, I've had a lot of goosebump moments, but there have been, you know, I think that in eight years that I can probably maybe count 10 that I've had that I can really remember. And that's definitely the first one. And I can remember doing that. And that was in front of a packed crowd. There was probably a good for, for the area, I think it was maybe around two two fifty, which is a good house here in, in yeah. small towns, not a bad house at all. But yeah, that's definitely one of the, um, the instances that I can remember getting, you know, a, a good bit of goosebumps and just saying, hell, that was, that was really cool. And it was always, it's always a privilege to be able to announce stuff like that when it's really special and the crowd knows it's special. Well, for me, being a uh, being a radio guy who does, you know, I I do uh, I actually employed with a local college too, and I do the, their basketball uh, games and um, sit next to the PA guy, and you know I talk to the PA guy sometimes a lot, you know, and you get to be you know buddies with a lot of them, and, you know, and and I guess the main thing for me would be because I do this, but I know he doesn't, and some PA guys don't, but some guys do as well, so. When you when you you know go through the night and you know you make your announcements and you make your whatever um, and you might have a good one you might have one you didn't like you might have one whatever on the fly do you just do it on the fly and say okay hey cool good night let's let's go have a beer or do you go back and watch and listen to each one that you did um, and say oh man I could have fixed that or I could have improved that or I could have said that a little better. Or, or do you just roll with the punches on it? Because I know, I know it goes both ways in in that business. Well, it's it's one of those things, and I and I, I hate the sound of my own voice. I, I don't know what it is, okay. I, but I, I've never been able to stand 
the sound of my own voice. And, and as weird as that is, you know, being in a, in a public business like you know the independent wrestling business, mm-hmm. and there are there are times you know where I will I'll go back and I'll watch tape and I'll just see you know how my facial expressions are because I mean really that's what you're doing. You are you're a ring announcer, but you're selling the show to the crowd. You are mm-hmm. trying to you are making it seem like it is it is just the best thing that those people have been to ever. I mean that is your job. It is your job. Well, to yeah, tell yeah, because because the crowd in house isn't hearing the, isn't hearing the play by play guys. They're hearing you. Yeah, so yeah, they're hearing me. Yeah. And and it was one of those things that I was taught, you know. And about six months in, uh, one of the promoters, uh, the one that got me started, uh, Jeremy Vane, um, he actually runs mm-hmm. APW where I that's my home promotion. And he pulled me to the side one night, and I hadn't – it just been, you know, kind of one of those off nights. And he told me, he said, if you don't care about it, why should the crowd care about it? And that really stuck with me because it's true. I mean, if I go in there nonchalant I'm, – I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I mean, I always try to, you know, dress myself, you know, in really good clothes, and I always try to, you know, dress for the part because that's really mm-hmm. important for me is the look. But he told me, he said, you know, if you don't care about it, why should everybody else? I've always, you know, been a perfectionist and a stiffler for trying to care about stuff. But I'm kind of one of those guys, you know, where if, if I have – if I make a mix-up, like there will be – even now eight years in, you know, there will be times where, you know, I'll – something will come out wrong or, hell, I'll just – I'll get flustered. doesn't happen a lot, but I'm kind of one of those, you know, just go through the punches, guys, because, I mean, I want the people to know that, while I am a ring announcer, I'm just like them. I mean, I'm not any better. I'm, I'm, I'm still a fan. I'm just the guy who's fortunate mm-hmm. enough to be in the ring, ring announcing. But yeah, I'm, I'm more of a role with the punches kind of guy. Okay. Yeah. See, it was was always interesting to me because I know, you know, from a play-by-play standpoint, like, you know, the game will be over. You know, we do the game, the radio broadcast, we do the interviews afterwards, we close it out. The commercials. I'll go back to the hotel and I'll listen to the recording of the game, the full two-hour game. You know, and I'll be like, oh, you know, I, I. That one I flubbed, or oh, I should have put more emotion in that. Oh, I should have, you know. And I and I was just wondering if that was uh, something that that you know you did as well, because I know again some PA guys do do that. Um, some some you know not necessarily ring announcers. I don't deal with wrestling that often, so I I would call the public address. But uh, but yeah, they they uh, some do it, some don't. So that's why I was curious as to if you do. Um, but that's cool. The roll with the punches thing, because um, and I think. You become more and more confident as you go. Like you said, you're eight years in. Uh, I mean, I've been, you know, doing radio broadcasting since college, but I have the, you know, this school that I'm working for now uh, up in upstate New York. I've been there sort of the voice of voice of Skidmore Athletics for the last five years. And, you know, I, I'll admit it, it's getting to the point now where I'm like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm confident. You know, I don't listen to it quite as much, but – Still, you know, there's those little things that I nitpick in, in and out of there. So, um, and and I guess right. the um, the last thing uh, for me would be in any of your promotions, um, have you noticed that the, you know, every once in a while, like in WWE or TNA, every once in a while the the, the ring announcer gets involved. Like I remember Triple H used to, you know, force ring announcers to say things. Or Shane McMahon now. Shane McMahon does that whole thing now where the guy's got to basically, when he says best in the world, and he has to hold the world for like almost a minute. Um, and have there, been, have there been times where you have been part of a wrestler gimmick like a Shane McMahon and times when you have been part of the action like what Triple H was doing in 2000, beating up ring announcers and referees? 
I have been a part of some gimmicks. Um, it's, it's very okay. few and far in between because I'm one of those types that I, I feel like, you know, ring announcing should be, you know, ring announcing and, and refereeing should be refereeing. But at, but sometimes you need to add flavor. You need to change things up. And there have been yeah. times where I have, you know, taken bumps. I've actually had to train some, you know, for stuff to make sure that I don't kill myself or I don't land wrong because there have been times where I've taken shoves and I've taken punches mm. and things of that nature. But it's very few and far in between because, I, I mean, even me personally, I don't really care much for it. But sometimes, you know, like I said, you've got to switch stuff up. you got to keep things fresh and you got to give the crowd, you know, sometimes something different to look at. So I have. And is, that, know, is that pre-scripted? Like, do you go into the night knowing that's going to happen? Or is that kind of like the wrestler kind of whispers to you, hey, listen, look, bump here, you know, you got to do something. There's like, only been hey, is one that, how does time, that look? There's only been one time that it's ever not been scripted. And actually, okay. um, Antron Brewer, who actually wrestled or he reps for WWE and NXT now, um, he mm-hmm. was he was a heel at the APW promotion. That was my home promotion. He was a he's a damn good heel. I mean, he he's a good promo. He's a heck of a worker. But he was our top heel um, during this stint, and he done this the deal where he would you know kind of berate me as a ring announcer and things of that nature. And then one night, he open-hand slapped me, and I had oh. no prior knowledge of it. I didn't know it was coming, and I didn't know that it was going to happen, and it just open-hand slapped right in the jaw. And it really took me off back. And I, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it did kind of piss me off, but you know what? I just took a breath of like, okay, you know what? The crowd loved it. Uh, I'll, I'll let it roll off the back. But, yeah, that's the only time that I can really remember that I've ever been a part of an angle and something happened that – I didn't, you know, ride off on or I didn't know prematurely. But, I mean, it was one of those things where Antron Burr is such a nice guy, such a cool guy, that I know that he didn't do that to kind of shoot on me. He'd done that because he felt like it was necessary for the story. And it got over and it got – it accomplished what we needed to accomplish. So, you know, I was like, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, ain't no big deal. It, it worked and the crowd loved it. And it's just one of those things sometimes that happens in the wrestling business. Awesome. Uh, Jonathan Felder's our guest here. We got about 14 minutes left here, Jonathan. So, you know, being a ring announcer, you know, there has been, you know, great ring announcers. Uh, you know, there's been, you know, Howard Finkel or Mike McGurk or, you know, even that jackass Paul Heyman. How would you uh, <laughs> compare yourself to them? Oh, Paul and uh, did uh, were did you look up to them at all? Uh, being a ring announcer before you got into it? To be honest, um, ringing, it was one of those deals where growing up, you know, me as a kid, I always wanted to be a Hulk Hogan. I always wanted to be a wrestler. And even being exposed to it a lot, I, I wanted to be a wrestler. And when I first got into it, you know, whenever I first answered the, the tryout for a ring announcer, up until then, I hadn't really paid attention to ring announcers much. It was just one of those things where, you know, I, I heard them, but I didn't really – pay attention because I never really thought of myself as being a ring announcer but you know after I got started I would pay attention a little bit more to like Gary Capetta and I would pay attention to like Justin Roberts and even Lillian Garcia Howard Finkel different ring announcers like that but as far as me wanting to be like a certain style or kind of mimicking after a certain style I've never really wanted to do that I've always just kind of wanted to be instead of being the next so-and-so or the next this so-and-so I always wanted to be you know the first Jonathan Felder that's kind of my mentality about being it you know I I don't want to be them I don't want to mimic them I I want to you know have my own style and and be the first me 
but I definitely look up to all those guys and their styles because, I mean, heck, they're legendary ring announcers. But I just always wanted to kind of be the first mate, you know. Well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, in the movie uh, Fighting With My Family and The Rock says, don't be the next rock, be the first you. And that that's, you know, that's really interesting how you put that. Now, when you when you do the ring announcing, uh, do you stay with one company or are you trying to branch out and get uh, go all over and travel all over? Or is that not something that you want to do? Do you just want to stay where close to where you're at? No, I've I've actually traveled a lot in eight years, and it was one of them deals where I traveled. You know, I, I work with uh, I've worked with um, NWA Anarchy out of Cornelia. I've worked with several promotions in Atlanta. I've worked with, of course, PWX where I work now. I work in the Athens area in the um, in the Metro Atlanta area, and I've I've never been one of those that shies from traveling. You know. I'm kind of one of those deals where I have my promotions that I'm loyal to because they're, you know, the continuity. But if somebody, you know, say looks me up on a Facebook or they see a video and they want me to ring announce with them and it's, you know, a little bit of a travel, I'll always, I'm always up to talking business and traveling. So, I mean, nothing is ever out of the, the realm of possibility. And it's really one of them deals where when my son was born back in 2016, you know, I kind of took a, I didn't really take, you know, a sabbatical. I just kind of laid off from, you know, pursuing a lot of different places and pursuing the traveling. And it seems like ever since then, whenever I wanted to take time and be a little bit, you know, lax, that my schedule's picked up. Like I was able, you know, to land the full-time gig with PWX. I was able to land, you know, a bunch of other promotions in Georgia. I was, I actually got the opportunity in February to ring announce for New Japan Pro Wrestling um, when they'd done their Eastern tour. Um, I announced shows in Charlotte, North Carolina and in Nashville, and really, this has probably been the busiest year that I've had since I've been ring announcing. And it's just one of them years where I've kind of just taken it, you know, in stride. I haven't really pursued much, but it's almost like the work has come to me, which is always a blessing. But, yeah, I've never, I've never shied away from traveling or trying to see new places and work with new people. Well, you know, and one thing I like to ask all our, you know, our independent superstars that come on the – on the show here and no one has ever answered it the, the same way. So I'll kind of put it to you and we'll see how you respond to this. It's a two part question. Now we all know that, you know, the WWE is the big dance. We all know that, you know, AEW is an up and coming promotion and uh, they're going to start kicking the WWE's butt here before too long. Now, if one of their agents were in the audience, in a show that you did, and they came up to you at the show and they wanted to offer you a contract, two-part question. Is that something, A, you'd want to do? And, B, if you get that big contract, would you not big timeless and still talk to us and be our friend? Well, if I would, I mean, with, you know, with a family now, um, it's definitely something that I have to discuss with my wife, obviously, because, I mean, she's, you know, the happy wife, happy life. And, but she's always, you know, been supportive of my dreams, you know, as far as doing ring announcing, it would definitely be something that I would entertain. I don't know if I would, you know, jump in head first, you know, because life happens and you've got to take everything into consideration when you have a family. And I would always, I would still talk to you all. I would talk to anybody. I've never been one of those people that I, I, I know for a fact that any type of fame would change who I am because I've never been that way. I've, I've always tried to keep myself as being a really grounded foot to the earth kind of person. 
but yes, I would talk to anybody. There wouldn't be anybody that I wouldn't talk to unless you know it's like a creeper or a stalk somebody trying to kill me. <laughs> well, that that is awesome, and uh, you know I do appreciate you know how you said that, which is which is really really cool. So now, when you uh, when you uh, have your shows. How often do you uh, do your shows? Uh, do you try and get out once a week, once every other week, a couple times a month, uh, every weekend, Monday? You, you try and do shows Monday through Friday? How often do you try and put yourself out there? Well, it really just depends on the month. Like July was kind of a lax month. You know, I had the one, I had the one big show um, July 7th for, for PWX, and then I had vacation, and then I had one at the end of the month. And um, so there wasn't a whole lot in July, but August is a full slate. Like I've got shows. I think there's only one weekend in August that I have off and the rest, the other four weeks of the month, I've got shows on Friday and Saturday. So I try to take time. You know, I don't, if I, if I kind of feel myself getting burnt out, you know, I'll set back a show and, you know, I'll take the family to the mountains or, you know, we'll go to the beach because it was one of those deals where I think about my third or fourth year in, it was just shows every weekend. It was two and three shows every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every week. That's all I wanted to do was wrestle. And then about three-quarters of the way through one of those years, I started getting really burnt out, and I started almost resenting the business. And I've come to a place for me personally where I would rather it's, – it's for me, it's about quality over quantity. You know, I don't want to work, you know, all the shows just for the sake of working, but I want to work the shows that, A, make me better and challenge me, and two, they build my resume, and I have fun. So that's what—that's really kind of where I'm at now. It's quality over quantity, and I'm very selective about the shows that I work because I feel like I've worked myself up as far as a resume to where I'm able to be choosy. You know, you're not—you're not really able to be choosy when you first start, but whenever you get enough of a resume and you're able to build a little bit of a name for yourself, and as far as your work ethic, you're allowed to choose a little bit more. And that's kind of what I've adopted this year. You know choosing a little bit more and not just settling for less. Well, you know, and that's, that's really cool. And, you know, I understand how, you know, and I, I like how you said that happy wife, happy life. Uh, you know, uh, the icon recently got engaged. Uh, as a matter of fact, got engaged uh, last week. And well, uh, I'm going to live uh, by uh, how you say that. Uh, happy wife equals a happy life. I'm going to live by those rules, and uh, you, I, I think I've been made a better person now because of that statement and because of that thing, and I appreciate that. Well, no problem. <laughs> so uh, we have uh, Jonathan Feltner here. we got about five minutes here left before we wrap this up. Uh, if our fans wanted to check you out or if a promoter wanted to book you, uh, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe, what do you got? I've got a Facebook. Just look me up. Uh, my name is uh, Jonathan Feltner. I didn't. I didn't want to get into you know like a, a different kind of a name. Uh, whenever you know how some they'll they'll kind of veer off from their shoot name. It's Jonathan Feltner on Facebook. Jonathan Feltner on Instagram. Uh, email is jfeltner23 at gmail dot com. If you would like to inquire about me working your show, or if you want to send me a message on Instagram or Facebook, the name's uh, Jonathan Feltner. It's it's, uh, it's pretty cut and dry. Easy simple <laughs> and uh now do you uh uh do you if you uh, i i i 
I, I'm trying to ask this question so it makes sense. If oh boy. a promotion contacts you and says you 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 live you're you're where home base is where? I'm, I'm actually my home base is in Carnesville, Georgia. It's about an hour north of Atlanta, real small town. Okay, so you're about an hour uh, north of Atlanta. So let's say yeah. a promoter in Alaska wants you to come up and do their show, and it's next week. Do you prefer to have more of a notice, or do you just get on the plane and go? Well, no. Um, I'm I'm in like a position where I can't just, you know, if it's somewhere that far, I, obviously I can't just pick up stakes and go because my schedules are very, very booked. Like not only with wrestling, but, you know, with family family deals, you know, um, I travel out of the state a lot for uh, for family reasons. I have a full-time career. I'm actually an estimator by trade for a steel company, so I have a lot of to do with that as far as, you know, working. So it's one of those things where if I've got somebody, you know, like you said, 20, 25 hours away, and they want me to work a show next week, um, if I was to entertain that, the money better be good, and um, they better be very – very up to negotiating as far as flight negotiations and things of that nature because obviously somewhere like Alaska isn't, you know, just a hop, skip, and step up the road. So I would entertain it, but it's, it's all about timing. You know, it just depends on, you know, what's going on and, and if I could even entertain it. But, I mean, anything's possible. So so if they said, uh, well, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a first-class ticket, we'll give you – $10,000, we need you tomorrow. I better get a deposit in my bank account of 5000 at least. <laughs> <laughs> if, awesome. if they give me a deposit, which, I mean, it's, it's bad even doing that, but, I mean, you hear all the time about promoters stiffing people. So if they're going to pay me that much money, then they can pay me half of it in a deposit. I mean, I'll keep my end of the bargain, but I want a little show of good faith. <laughs> there you go. Uh well, Jonathan Talker is our guest here. We're about to wrap this up. Uh, we do uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, real, a couple quick uh, uh, ego questions before we wrap this up because our fans know what's coming. Uh, the icon made you a cool collector's card, sent you on Messenger. What did you think of that? I like that, and actually, um, I'm in the process of getting some autographs sent to you all. Like I said, um, it's been kind of a rough year. I've had a lot of family deaths and a lot of traveling, so it was one of the things that kind of slipped my mind. But I did like the card, and I am going to be definitely sending you awesome autographs. Awesome. Well, as long as we can get them by our December show, our December giveaway show, that would be cool. And, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And if we haven't uh, scared you away too much, would you uh, be willing to uh, come back on the show again at some point? Uh, sure. And uh, sure. give us an update on what you've been up to? Sure, absolutely. Just send me a send me a Facebook message and let me know what the date is, and I'd love to come back and talk to you guys. It'd be cool. Awesome. Well, Jonathan Feltner, ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the ring announcer. We thank you for joining us. Take the time on your schedule, and you've been awesome. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, Thanks you guys. Jonathan. Have a good night. Thanks for having me. Thanks, John. Yep. Have a great one. Bye. You too, sir. Jonathan Feltner, ladies and gentlemen, finally, a, a guy that respects my ring announcing. I appreciate that. That's awesome. So our next guest should be calling in here in about a minute. So uh, 
We'll be talking to him. We'll have him for about uh, 45 minutes uh, when he comes on. And or maybe a little speaking, less, of, speaking of PA announcing. Touchdown Raiders! No, we're not going to listen to that tonight, Big Swing. We're not (laughs) going to listen to it. Yes, football season's Uh, getting ready to start. Preseason's getting ready to start. And it's going to be, I wish I had a sound effect that could say, touchdown, Kansas City. (laughs) Well, 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 that guy, that guy, uh, I can't remember his name right now. But I know that the... Well, um, I'll tell you what. I I know that the Kansas City guy is very animated. I know that. He's one of my favorite touchdown calls, honestly. Well, I'll tell you oh, what, yes. the announcer for the the announcer for the Vikings is better than anybody. Especially when he goes that? three seconds left on the clock. Dante gets off the play. Goes to his right. Moss, wide open. He burned Al Harris. Touchdown. He scored Dell Harris for a sixty four yard um, touchdown. And that was a cold blooded connection. Do I do I still have it? Oh, I, I thought I thought I still had it, the uh the Minnesota Minneapolis miracle. I thought I still had it, but I I don't know. I don't have it on my laptop. Obviously, back at the at the station, at the ESPN station, I I can pull it up if I need to. But obviously, I'm I'm not there tonight, so I I don't have it on me. But um, but yeah, the, the, there's there's that was a good one. I um, I, I liked it. Uh, I'll give you this. I liked it better than you know the TV call, but the uh, Joe Buck Troy Aikman call. Uh, Obviously. Oh, I but, can't stand uh, Joe Buck. I well, hate here's Joe the deal. Buck. Us Viking fans can, would like to tell Joe Buck to kiss our ass, and uh, <laughs> Troy Aikman can go somewhere. Well, Troy Aikman... I don't, um, like, Joe, I don't like Joe Buck at all. Can't stand him. He, 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 he's a bit pompous. I'll give him that. He, he, he's a bit pompous, but... A bit uh, I can't, pompous? We, we, oh. <laughs> listen, I'm trying to be... I'm trying to be uh, Relatively professional on the air. I know you um, are. I know you plus, are. Plus, I can't. You know, he's one of my colleagues. I can't. I can't uh, say too, too much about him. Yes, I was just about to say that. Yes, four one two area code. Yep. All right, we, ladies we good and gentlemen. Ready? Here it is. Yep. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, he is our third combatant of the night. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Wrestling Commentary himself. He is the man amongst the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Joseph Dombrowski. Thank you very much, guys. My pleasure to be here. Glad to have you on. Uh, I'll I'll tell you what. Let's do this real quick so we can uh, get this taken care of. Uh, I sent you a... um, a uh, a script for a liner. We'll go ahead and do that, then we'll get into the interview. So we don't forget. All right. Let me uh, find And I'll give that. you a five-second countdown. And all right. Are you guys ready? All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, this is Joe Dombrowski, host of Ringer Bonner, Future Bonner, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the hosts, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Awesome. Hey, Joe, uh, uh, and we're not just saying this because, uh, because of uh, who, you, uh, who you work for, but it is an honor that uh, you are taking time on your schedule to join us today, and we really yes. do appreciate it. 
we have uh, we have 43 minutes with you. If you can stand us that long, we'll we'll go with it. Uh, what we'll do is I'll ask a few questions, and we'll kind of go around the room here, and then we'll uh, we'll have some fun with this. So, uh, you know, being in Ring of Honor, how long have you uh, been with them? Well, I started with Ring of Honor in the beginning of 2010. Um, that was the first opportunity I've had to uh, do play-by-play for them, and I've been I've been in and out since then. Um, depending on um, you know what their needs have been at the time and, and what I've had going on, but uh, uh, I this most recent run um, is. Coming up on on two years now, I, I, I this uh, future of honor opportunity came about in the fall of 2017, and um, thankfully I, I'm still here, still doing work for them. So, uh, um, you know, I've been in the family now for for nearly a decade, but had a chance to do this job consistently for uh, almost a couple of years, and I've uh, I've really enjoyed my time there. And. Uh... You know, I hate to—I uh, don't know if you'll like the comparison, but with your with your voice, uh, in a way, you do sound a little like Jim Ross. Has anybody ever told you that, or do you not like that comparison? I think that uh, it's a huge honor to be compared to Jr. Um, Jr. is arguably the best that's ever done this. I don't think he has really any peer really any um, comparison point. Um, I think the best announcers are the type that are able to, you know, be influenced by everybody. It's, it's the old Jim Cornette line. You, you, you steal from one person that's plagiarism. You steal from many people it's research. And I, I think there's, there's probably, um, you know, just about every voice of my childhood floating around in my head somewhere. So, mm-hmm. Um, if I'm able to, to, to take something that, that Jim Ross had done or a Lance Russell or a Gordon Soley or a Gorilla Monsoon or anybody like that and, and kind of make it my own and, 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 and you know, uh, be able to emulate or do those guys justice, then, then that's a huge honor. I, I don't think there's ever going to be another Jim Ross. I don't think I'll ever be fortunate enough to be as good as he is, but uh you know, anytime you could be compared to the greatest of all time, that's that's always a good thing. And in your tenure in the business, uh, did you do? Were you with other companies before you joined Ring of Honor, or were you like doing sports play-by-play, or how did uh, getting uh, wanted to do wrestling become your repertoire? I had always wanted to be involved in wrestling. I didn't have a specific plan. I didn't have a set uh, strategy of, of how to do that. Um, I I had always known since I was a young kid, and once I discovered what, what independent wrestling was, I knew that was going to be my way in. And um, I had started attending local events here in the Pittsburgh area. Um around 2002 or so. And that's how I discovered the international wrestling cartel, the IWC and uh, being there and being so up close and personal with the action and and, and being able to be a part of, uh, you know, such a, 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 to me as a fan, an overwhelming experience. If you go to a WWE show, you're, 
you know, you're you're behind five thousand other people's heads. You know, you're you're not close enough where you can yell at somebody and have them yell at you, or you can you know reach out and, and you know pat them on the back or slap their hand or anything like that. So that really um, really got the bug going and really intensified my desire. And um, about six months after that, I had. I was still in high school and I was uh, organizing a a wrestling event at my high school. I was co-promoting an event as a fundraiser um, because I wanted to be involved. And that was, that was my, that was my bridge. That was my way in. And IWC was, was how I started in wrestling. That was January, 2003. And it was a long seven years of, of doing anything and everything in in independent companies Um, before I had the opportunity with Ring of Honor. Um, the Ring of Honor door opened because of uh, Jimmy Jacobs, um, who went to bat for me and uh, was able to tell the uh, those in charge at the time, like Adam Pierce and Kerry Silken, um, you know, that I deserved an opportunity and I was worth giving a shot to and Thankfully, it worked. And uh, 16 years later, I'm still here. I'm still doing this, and I'm, I'm deeper in the trenches of, of the wrestling industry than ever. And uh, it's one of those things that's in your blood. It's something that you really, um, once you're in, you really can't shake. You really can't uh, picture yourself without it being a major part of your life. And um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm here for the long haul. Uh, now, did you have any... Um, well, well, did you have any experience? Uh, Joseph Dombrowski's our guest here. We got about thirty-seven minutes here left. I was going to say uh, we'll go to uh, we'll go to a big swing, but since you jumped in, go ahead. Well, yeah. Uh, well, I told you I was excited uh, to talk to him because being a, a play-by-play guy myself, not in wrestling per se, but I do. Uh, I work for ESPN, but I do uh, locally up in upstate New York. But I do uh, local college sports. So, you know, I've been the voice of Skidmore Athletics for the last five years. Uh, Skidmore College is the local school near me. And um, did you have any previous experience doing other play-by-play avenues, such as, you know, different sports and whatnot before you got into wrestling? Or was your first real gig doing it in, in the independent wrestling scene? You know, I really didn't have any experience going in. And I will be the first to say that the, the first time I had a live microphone put in front of me, uh, January 25th, 2003, boy, did I suck. Um, mm-hmm. It was, if you were going to play it back for me right now, I, I guarantee you I would just cringe the entire time. I, I've always had a knack for performing. I've always had a knack for uh, expressing myself in front of an audience. Um I've always had uh, uh, maybe trouble finding my voice outside of a performing atmosphere, but as soon as that proverbial mm-hmm. red light turns on, then, uh, you know, it, it's a whole different ball game. Um, so it was really um, a, a lot of learning on the fly and a lot of trial and error because, um, you know, in, in a wrestling context, there really is nowhere to go to school to be a wrestling announcer. Obviously there's broadcasting schools, obviously there's journalism schools, but if 
I go to a wrestling school and tell them, well, I want to be a wrestling announcer, they're not going to know what to do with me. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think I would have ever gotten that opportunity if not for the fact that I had co-promoted that event. But I will give all, all the credit in the world to the promoter, Norm Connors, who saw something in me that probably everybody else other than he and I didn't see because uh, he believed enough in me to keep me around and keep me uh, in the fold and uh, to watch me grow and develop. And um, I think it's worked out okay so far. And because, like, with me, for example, like, when you do Ring of Honor, I've lost Ring of Honor. In fact, I've, you know, seen you. <laughs> so I – and heard uh, you. But um, when I – I do radio. It's different than, than TV in, in that regard because you're you're doing a lot more describing. For, for television, there is a little bit of that performance avenue uh, in it because – the the viewer can already see what's going on. You have to still keep it entertaining despite them being able to see it. Whereas, you know, in, in radio, I basically I, I have time. I can do some animated stuff, but I, I, I have to describe exactly to a T what's going on for somebody who might be listening in their car or whatever. So it's a little different. Um, but do you do you feel like and I'm gonna ask this a lot because um I, I know I do this uh, with, with my radio broadcasts. Like, for example, you know, I, I get done with a game, and, you know, the first thing I do when I get done with the game, you know, we do the, all the post-game interviews and all that stuff. And then as soon as I get back to the hotel room, first thing I do is pop on my phone and listen to the full two-hour game. Even if it's overtime game, it's three hours. It doesn't matter if it's 1 a.m. I listen to the whole thing and take notes of, hey, that could have been better. Or, oh, I flubbed a little bit on that. Or, oh, I need to put more emotion in that. Do you still go back? to this day now and watch Ring of Honor broadcasts um, being this far into it and, and critique yourself even to this day and, and, I try and to. work on things and make notes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you never stop learning the day that you aren't learning anymore is the day you should get out. Um, you know, you're, you're never going to have the perfect match, the perfect call, the perfect broadcast start to finish, but obviously that's the goal. That's what you're always going to strive to achieve and accomplish. And um, especially, you know, as, as time has gone on, I've been able to, um, you know, advance into, into kind of new avenues and subgenres within the role, for instance, um, doing voiceovers in post-production rather than being there live or working solo versus working with a partner or just um, the different styles of matches that I, I've been able to do over the years. Um, there's such a different feel and a different vibe to uh, so many different assignments that I have. And, you know, you, you got to make sure that you're, you're, you're telling the story. You have to make sure that your energy um, matches what's happening in the ring. You have to make sure that you are, um, filling in the gaps as far as what happened to get us here, let alone what's happening in front of us before our very eyes. And, you know, I, I would be lying if I said I went back and watched everything at this point, because um, at this point in, in, in my run, I've called 6,000 matches um, and I'm busier now than I've ever been before with, with new gigs and new opportunities every single week um, across the country. Uh, but, um, the bigger shows, the more important shows, the uh, shows with the wider reach, things of that nature, I always make sure to go back and um, be your own worst critic. 
because you have to. Uh, and I, I'm picking things out now that um, if you would have shown to a layman, they would have never been able to decipher or pick up on. And this is advice I've gotten from other announcers or from people in WWE or whatever the case is. You know, what what little piece to the puzzle do I not have yet that, that other people that are making more money or perhaps in front of a bigger audience have at this point? I'm always looking for that and always looking for what's next. And I think that's vital to not only growth, but certainly staying at your best in that process. And I'll ask you one more, and then I, I know Granny uh, had some questions for you, and of course Icon does, because Icon uh, always has a lot of questions. But um, my, uh, I, I've done, I'm not nearly as, as into uh, experience-wise as, as you are with that, uh, but I have done, you know, all the way from college. Like I played basketball in college, but I did the broadcasting football team. I did, you know, I've done minor league baseball. I've done uh, minor league hockey. You know, obviously I do the college athletics now and things like that. So, I mean, I've been doing it. I'm 30 now. I've been doing it since 21. So, I think I have a decent amount of time. How, uh, however, um, there's still those moments. There's still a particular call or possibly top two, three call that, that stick out in my mind as, Wow, you know, if I could ever recreate that again, it would be amazing. Do you have, after every, after everything you've done and all the matches you've done, do you have one or two that stick in your head as your favorite calls of all time or, or the best ones you've done or one that you still remember to this day and look back on, you know, and say, damn, that was special? I mean, at this point, it would be easier for me to name 30 or 40 rather than just one or two. Um, oh, really? Okay, I, I so always, there's not like I that always, one. Okay. okay. I always tell people, you know, I, I always tell people it's one of those things where it's like asking somebody their favorite child and they have 6,000 kids. You know, there's just there's mm-hmm. so many different options. I, there's, there's so many different moments to stick out for so many different reasons from – you know, my time producing up in Cleveland and getting to work with Johnny Gargano when he was a young kid and then some of the, 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 the first rivalries and stories that we were able to sell with him. Um, some of the Ring of Honor stuff I'd done with some of their favorite pay-per-views in New York and Toronto. And, uh, you know, Davey Richards and Tyler Black, probably the most famous or most watched matches I've done uh, over the years. Um, to all of the stuff in IWC, um, over the past 16 years and so many special moments as far as titles being won and careers being changed and people coming and going, um, you know, CZW and big time wrestling and, and so much. I mean, if I'm going to pick one moment, it would be probably getting to work with some of the guys that I'd grown up listening to, like Jim Cornette. Um, those stand out personally. Um, as far as memorable calls or things of that nature, I mean, honestly, I, I would rather hear from, from my audience because if they remember it, if they talk about it, then uh, then I've certainly done my job because uh, all these memories and moments are, are, are as much for them, if not more so, than it is for uh, for any of us involved. But, uh, but I don't know. I just Anytime I think about that, I just get uh, – like an overwhelming rush of, of, of memories of, of everything I've done, and, and to narrow it down would would probably take me all night. Oh wow! Okay, all right, cool. Uh, Joseph Dombrowski is our guest here. We got about twenty-seven minutes here left with uh, Joseph. 
uh, Granny, what do you got for our guest, Joseph Dombrowski, our bro, our broski, well, as you could say? First of all, sir, it is a pleasure to have you on our show. It is a true honor for me as a huge wrestling fan to be able to speak with somebody like you. I love wrestling. I mean, I'm not a wrestler. I'm just a big, huge fan, and I don't like the bad guys. Granny can talk some pretty good smack to the bad guys. But, you know, I I wanted to mention there was a young tag team that I got to see one time in Arkansas. They were called the Tate Twins. Now, I know the Tate Twins, are are they still part of Ring of Honor? I know they were at one time. They did a lot with Ring of Honor. Are they still Are they still doing things? With Ring of Honor, as far as I know, they they're very active with Ring of Honor. I, I believe they were in um, New York City a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't personally there, but um, from what I understand, they were. I don't think they have any kind of an association with Dalton Castle anymore, which obviously yeah, they had. I knew for a they did. Years. I knew I knew I knew they didn't. I know they did for a while, but I knew they kind of separated their ties from Dalton, but I really love the Tate Twins. I really love to watch them wrestle, you know, and I I was blessed that I had the opportunity to get to see the, the they wrestled for a federation in Arkansas called Traditional Championship Wrestling that ran in Arkansas for several years and um, but yeah, I but yeah, I, I love my wrestling. My husband, my son, and I—we're all Heat fans. I watch Ring of Honor on TV when I get the chance to watch it. I don't always get to see it because uh, of the time schedule that it's on in Arkansas where I live. But um, it is just a true pleasure to be able to get to speak with you, sir. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that, and uh, it's uh, humbling to hear something like that, and I certainly echo your sentiments about the Tate Twins as well. They're very talented, they're very young, they're in great shape, they have uh, a hell of a lot of potential ahead of them, um, and, and I certainly wish them the best, and I'm sure I'll cross paths with them many more times in Ring of Honor and probably elsewhere as well. Um, I had a chance to work down in uh, Tennessee area not too long ago. I, I know that they, uh, they're based out of for an independent down there. And um, anytime I run into them, it, it's, it's always a pleasure because they always seem to, to, to be in good moods and they always seem to be willing to give it their all in the ring. And that's, uh, that makes my job. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. Well, we have uh, we have uh, Mr. Dombrowski here. Joseph Dombrowski is our guest here, and we got about uh, 24 minutes here before we wrap this up. Uh, so, I'm kind of curious with your being with Ring of Honor and uh, all the different matches that you've called uh, in your tenure. Uh, what would you say is uh, your most wildest match that you ever? Call and what was your favorite match that you ever were a part of? Well, I, I think um, uh, again, it's such a tough question to narrow down. But if we're speaking in the context of Ring of Honor, I think the most well-known match would have been Davy Richards and Tyler Black from Death Before Dishonor in 2010. Uh, that was one of the early Ring of Honor pay-per-views in uh, in Toronto. And that was the uh, opportunity I had to work with Jim Cornette. And I believe that Davey Tyler match, um, of course, many of the fans would know Tyler as Seth Rollins right now. Um, that match was, I think, voted maybe 
second or third runner-up for match of the year in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Um, there was another great tag match that night with Chris Hero and uh, Claudio Castagnoli Cesaro versus uh, uh, Jan Mark Briscoe that uh, stands out to me as, as being a, a wild encounter and uh, very physical and very intense. Um, I especially enjoyed the entire event that I did in 2014 for them called Field of Honor. It was the very first uh, Field of Honor event at the baseball park up in Brooklyn. And uh, the main event of Adam Cole, AJ Styles, uh, Jay Briscoe, and Michael Elkin was uh, uh, um, a hell of an encounter. Four of the best in the absolute you know, entire planet. And uh, that night started off with a cage match with Jay Lethal and Matt Taven. That uh, also stands out to me as well. Um, I also really enjoyed being a part of uh, Samoa Joe's uh, brief return to Ring of Honor before he went to NXT after he had uh, finished up with Impact. And I'm recalling uh, Joe versus ACH in Milwaukee. I did Joe versus Michael Elgin in Chicago Ridge. Um, and uh, Joe's somebody that. You know, I, I'd known for quite a long time. I, I'd called matches for here and there, but I'd never had the opportunity to uh, uh, call one of his matches surrounded by the energy of a Ring of Honor event and a Ring of Honor crowd. And uh, uh, that made it all the more special to me. And, uh, um, I mean, if we're talking about the future of Honor um, in the past couple of years, uh, of course, um, it's a lot of talent that are still working their way up. Um, and still developing, but watching guys like Shinobi Shadow Squad and Joe Keys and Dante Caballero and Brian Johnson. Um, there was a Chris LaRusso versus Colin Delaney match that meant a lot to me because those are two guys I consider friends, and it happened in my hometown of Pittsburgh. Um, I really enjoy watching Marcus Cross and Griff Garrison, a couple of young kids out of uh, North Carolina who had a few cups of coffee with uh, – some Ring of Honor Futures matches. So, I mean, it, it goes across the board. There's every genre, every style, every kind of moment in memory. There's something from Ring of Honor that, uh, that I've done, and uh, and I hold those memories very fondly. Now, has there ever been a situation where you've been calling a match ringside and uh, you ever had uh, your announce table uh, be – uh, used as a weapon or a fact where your announce table was no longer in existence because uh, someone had flown uh, on top of it? Oh, that's absolutely happened, yeah. And and even even in cases where the table doesn't break, I've had guys roll onto the table. I've had guys land on me. I've had guys nearly land on equipment. Um, it can be a dangerous uh, environment. Thankfully, most of the time I'm not directly at ringside um but on a few occasions i have been and when you are you're very much in the line of fire um i don't think my announce table has ever been destroyed in ring of honor but it certainly happened um quite a number of times uh, in my travels and you just got to have your head on a swivel and you got to be alert as far as where you are and where everybody else is and if things get too close to you see ya you got to bail now, are you, as you're out there, and that does happen, 
did, did you know ahead of time that that could happen, or did it just like, are you just like, oh my God, they're coming at my table. What am I going to do? Well, I mean, I never had to ask myself what I'm going to do because what I'm going to do is get the hell out of there. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, there's, there's no hazard pay and there's no insurance, so I'm going to get out of the way as much as I can. Um, no, I've never been, I've never been told it was going to happen. I've never been been prepared for it per se. But um, again, being right out there inside the guardrails, you always know that's a possibility. So if somebody comes your way and tells you to move, I ain't going to stick around and argue. That's awesome. We have uh, Joseph Dombrowski is our guest here, and uh, we do have about 18 minutes here left, uh, give or take. So how often uh, are you uh, doing shows now with uh, Ring of Honor? I am currently on a um, basically a need-to-know basis. I, I usually have a match or two coming out of every event that I wind up doing, whether I'm doing it there live or whether it's sent to me after the fact for voiceover, depending on scheduling and and location. Um, So it it just depends. It depends on, uh, um, it depends on the particular event and it depends on, uh, um, you know, when they send them to me. But I would say, um, you know, for the longest time I was doing, Future of Honor every single week on the YouTube channel of Ring of Honor, and now we lean more towards doing YouTube exclusives, a little bit more of an evergreen and, and, and broad-based type format for that sort of thing, and gearing up for the top prospect tournament anyway, as many of these athletes are looking to, you know, hopefully uh, for their sake, move on to the next level of Ring of Honor. Um, so I, I just done... The Kingdom match versus Ryo and Makita from the Best in the World pre-show uh, in Baltimore. And I had done a uh, YouTube exclusive um, from the next night in Philly. The Baltimore match is online now. I don't believe the Philadelphia match is yet, but should be very, very shortly. Um, and whenever... Uh, Whenever something else comes down the pike, which I'm assuming will be in the next few weeks, uh, I'll be ready for that. But there's really no set timetable at this point. It's just when they have an exclusive uh, online. Of course, Ian and Colt and Caprice do an incredible job of television. And my hat goes off to them. They're an incredible group uh, of, of announcers, and they have tremendous chemistry. But uh, when something uh, is meant for online predominantly, that's when it finds its way to my desk, and uh, and I'll be able to get the job done. And um, as far as um, all of my projects, um, I'm, I'm on the road every single weekend, and I'm usually voicing something over during the week, every single week as well. So I'm, I'm staying very, very busy and very active uh, uh, throughout my entire, you know, body of work as well. We have uh, Mr. Dombrowski as our guest here, uh, the Joe man himself, uh, the king of Ring of Honor. And uh, we have 15 minutes here left. Now, I'm going to ask you more questions, and we'll kind of go back around the room here and see if uh, we've uh, hashed any others. Uh, I'll ask a few more, and then we'll kind of go around the room again. Uh, is there anybody out in wrestling, whether it be past or present? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make it a three-part question. Is there anybody... 
from the past that you wish you could call a match with and anybody currently that you wish you could do a match with? Um, and then uh, is there any particular wrestler that you've never called a match for that you'd like to call a match for? Well, from the past, I think um, the, the, the clear answer is Bobby Heenan. Um, I, I had a chance to meet Bobby before he passed, but unfortunately we'd never worked together. And I think that would have been um, just an absolute dream come true. Uh, Jesse Ventura is another one. I doubt we'll see Jesse call wrestling ever again, but I would have loved to to test myself against Jesse because Jesse would have been the type to, to keep whoever he was with on, on their toes, to be sure. Um, present day, there, there's a number of guys. I mean, um, you know, JR's still working hard, and I've never had a chance to actually work with JR. Um, oh, and Lance Russell's another from the past I would love to work with, uh, even though we're both play-by-play guys. I, I grew up listening to Lance, and I, I have a, a great deal of admiration for him. Um, at present day, I mean, Jim Ross uh, would love to be able to send to that learning tree, and there's no way I could work with him and not get better. Um, and, and I just try to absorb any knowledge I can. Paul Heyman, I've spoken with uh, briefly but never met yet. Um would love to be able to, to test myself with Paul and, and Corey Graves would be another one. I've known Corey Graves since uh, I was a teenager. And since he was, God, he would have been about 18 or 19. And I would have been about 17 or 18. Um, he grew up here in Pittsburgh. He started wrestling here in Pittsburgh. He was, um, my first trips I did overseas, he was on those shows, so I had a chance to bond with him there. And I never would have thought that the artist once known as Sterling James Heenan would um, one day be in a, a you know consistent commentary position. But he's embraced it. He has absolutely kicked butt doing it, and I'm very, very proud of him. And he's one of the most entertaining parts of the WWE broadcast every week. Um, somebody that I have not had a chance to call it match for, but would like to. Um, I mean, they're both pretty much impossible now because of their retirement, but the first two names that would come to mind would be Ric Flair and Kurt Angle. Um, I've had a chance to be on play-by-play as they came to the ring for appearances, for promos, for speeches, but uh, never had the opportunity to actually uh, voice them on play-by-play. And uh, I doubt that would ever happen unless uh, somebody found some archive footage they wanted a voiceover done on. But, uh, man, it would have been amazing to have been a part of a couple of those stories they would have told. That's awesome. Hello? You guys there? Yeah, I'm here. Yep. I don't know uh, what happened. Oh, you icon. know what it is? I think um I think mid sentence icon cut off. I was waiting for him maybe he had like a phone icon, you back out with us here? Yeah, uh I, I apologize. I uh I had a little uh issue uh as he was uh talking about Rick Flair and Kurt Angle. 
I I just loved it so much. I I actually dropped the phone because it was it was just a cool thing. I I apologize. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it could be the wonder. It could be the wonderful Sprint service you have out there too in North Dakota. Right, and I don't know if uh, I don't know Joe if you're willing to do this or not. We got about eleven minutes here with you. If you could, uh, I I don't know if you'd be willing to do this or not, but if you could uh, do a favor for us, call a you know call a fake match between me and uh, Big Swing, like just oh, like a three-minute match. If you could do that, then we could <laughs> use it for our archives. <laughs> You'd have to see the action, though, Icon. I mean, I mean, he would have to see me beating you down in in person to be able to do that. Oh, yeah, so see, I, 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 would, I would need time to do the prep work and figure out if I liked you guys or not. I gotta, I gotta exactly. figure out, uh, I gotta figure out the ins and outs and what you guys would do. I don't know. I, I'd have to, I have to take some time and really do my research well, for that. Icon yeah. would probably end up getting disqualified because of his finishing moves. Icon, if you want to yes, tell him, yes, he would. Yes, he would. Yeah, my, yeah. my, my finisher, uh, Joe, <laughs> is called the jump punch him in the man business. It works when the referee's back is turned. Uh, yes, well, but it's, it's also very, direct, a very to the dirty point. Game. I'll give it that much. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> now, see, with Granny Hulkster being such the big, huge fan that I am, yeah, he might be able to do some sort of mentioning Granny Hulkster, like <laughs> he's talking smack to a heel. You know? <laughs> he might have you Granny commentary. might run in and take everybody out. I don't know. Oh well, you know. Amen. Well, see, I see. Yesterday, I was at a show in Fayetteville, Arkansas, on a new federation that started a few months ago, and this is about their sixth or seventh show. And yesterday, one of the wrestlers, uh, you know, asked, told me to, to get in the ring and show him what I got. And I said, "Well, you know," I stood up and I said, "Well, you know, I would, but I don't really want to make you cry." Because he came to the ring and wrestled in a pair of jeans and tennis shoes. That's how he came out to wrestle. I don't remember the guy's last name. I'd never seen him before. But he had a very arrogant attitude, and Granny had a ball playing with this guy because I told him, I said, well, I would get in the ring, but I really, you know, put you in a headlock, but I don't really want to make you cry. You know, I don't want to hurt you. So, And everybody started well, chanting Granny's name, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to guess that, uh, as Gorilla Monsoon would say, uh, don't commit that name to memory because you may not need it very long. I'm assuming that's probably the, the best way to describe who your uh, your hapless foil may have been. It's unfortunate that uh, um, some independent wrestlers choose not to invest in gear or their appearance or things of that nature. And I think that that shows uh, um, who's truly dedicated to this craft and who's not. That shows who truly... Um, you know, wants to succeed on a high level. And I think, uh, you know, independent wrestling is such a vast um, spectrum right now of, of so many, uh, uh, you know, different styles and different genres and different mentalities. And, you know, independent wrestling is at a place now where it's easier. I don't want to say easier, but it's less difficult to get noticed and get some attention on yourself perhaps now than ever because of obviously the rise of the internet and then so many, you know, video on demand libraries and things of that nature. Um, if you invest in yourself, it's going to show through and you're going to hopefully get more opportunities. And it's the same thing, whether you're uh, in the ring wrestling or whether you're running a podcast like you guys, the more you invest in yourself and develop 
and carry and present yourself the right way, the more the audience will believe in what you're selling them and want to spend money or time to invest to support you. And um, a lot of people in independent wrestling get that, and a lot of people don't, and it's very Darwinian in, as far as survival of the fittest. So um, your, your, your tennis shoe and, and blue jean friend uh, may not be making headlines uh, anywhere very soon, but you can contrast well, that with somebody like the Tate Twins who – you know, well, obviously Granny was, a lot of yeah, time. Granny was not impressed with this guy by any means. And I tell you, I, I have been told by many federations, they actually thank me for coming to their shows because they say really helped make the show today, Granny. And they told me that yesterday. And I mean, I, I'm very humbled and honored because I like to make it fun for the wrestlers. I like to make it fun for all the fans. And I had one wrestler ask me one time, or he said he said to me one time, he says, Granny, don't you have a curfew at the nursing home? And I grabbed my keys out of my purse, and I got in his face. I said, baby, I don't need no curfew. I got keys to the building. <laughs> and he ran there off. There you go. Screen, and, you know, so I'm one of those fans, like, when I met Ron Simmons here not too long ago, I, I met Ron Simmons and Tony Atlas several months ago. Ron Simmons told me, he says, Granny, you're that true fan that we had, like, back in the day that, you know, that you don't see anymore. He said, we we love fans like you because, he said, you're that true fan that just can make it really fun for us, make it fun for, you know, whoever. And I'm very humbled by that because I love doing, I mean, I help with an organization over in Oklahoma called Wrestling for a Cause. We do, they do independent shows for kids that have got cancer. And um, I know Ring of Honor was over in Oklahoma, oh, I guess a few years ago or, and whatever. And um, some of the WFC guys got to meet some of the Ring of Honor people, you know, when they were in Oklahoma and, but I'm very humbled by being able to do what I do as a fan because I have fun doing what I do. I have fun hollering the bad guys. And my original That's Granny shirt says, "What you gonna do when Granny Holster goes crazy on you?" <laughs> That's my original. That's granny. what it's all about. <laughs> and you're you're Not able to bring that thing. energy, and you're able to help engage the audience. And I would take I would take a fan like you over somebody that's gonna sit on their hands a hundred times out of a hundred. Uh, we have uh, Joseph uh, Dombrowski. We got we only got a couple minutes here left. Uh, real quick here, if our fans wanted to check you out and follow you, uh, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe. What do you got? Well, we got a lot, my friend. We got uh, www.joe-dombrowski.com. That's my official website for uh, a lot of news. You can read my entire event history, my schedule, um, video clips, audio clips. Uh, a ton of DVDs and MP4s for sale. And uh, on that subject, you can also log on to www.prowrestlinglibrary.com. Um, all of my uh, uh, products are available for VOD and MP4 there. Or you can subscribe for one low price and get over 250 hours of content at your fingertips anytime you want it. Uh, I am on Facebook. I am on Twitter. I am on Instagram. All those links are 
on my uh, personal website, or if you search uh, uh, Joe Dombrowski or Joseph Dombrowski, they should be able to come up as well. But uh, um, and also my YouTube page, uh, YouTube.com/slash Mr. Joe Dombrowski. I have uh, literally hundreds of clips spanning events I've done and rare gems I've found and things of that nature. So I always like hearing from fans. I always like uh, uh, talking to people who may uh, support or sample some of my products and some of my DVDs, Legend of Virgil, Finding Zach Gow in Montreal Theory, so many others. Uh, uh, please uh, check it out. We've got trailers online. Uh, whatever you're looking for, whatever type of wrestling you're into, chances are there's something like that in my library that uh, that can tickle your fancy. But uh, – most of all, feel free to just follow along and, and say hi because uh, there's some exciting things coming down the pike for the rest of 2019, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to watching them develop, too. And do you think you might be willing to send us some autographs for some giveaways for a big December promotion we got coming up? I'm sure we can make that happen. All right, I'll send you an address where I send it to, whatever you can send to us, we'd appreciate. And uh, we got about uh, 30 seconds, I think. Uh, we would. Uh, we hope that you'd be willing to join us again if we haven't scared you way too much. Uh, you've been awesome, and it's been an honor, sir, and I can't wait to be able to have you join us again. It's been awesome. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate the platform. I appreciate that you guys thought enough of me to, to bring me on here, and, and I'm sure uh, – Maybe timing it with one of my big releases down the road. We can schedule this again and do a sequel. Awesome. We appreciate it, bud. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. You as well. Sounds good. Thank you. Same time, right, quick, same place guys. next week. Hurry up, though, because we are over time. All right, we got, uh, we got three guests. We got Nikki Foxley, we got Julie Rule, and we got Richard Pryor Jr. on with us next week. Beautiful. I'm with it. Oh, once again, next week, same time, same place, and hopefully I'll be in the studio next week uh, unless they pull me off to some other destination vacation. We shall see. Once again, this was a three-guest night, a successful three-guest night, so Icon's blood pressure is a little bit lower than it was last week, and we will see you next Monday. Dead man walking. You got it now.